And we uh, are going to jump in here. I've got a couple of series that we're going to work through. Um, this first one is called, uh, is a series on judgment. And then after judgment, I want us to go into Colossians before, and it sounds crazy, but before the first of the year. So uh, we're already talking about um, budgets and getting our budgets done for 2019 and calendar for 2019. It's just hard to believe you just kind of get back and man, you're just in, you're going, you're moving. So that's just kind of where we are. And when I started looking at Braveheart calendar and, and uh, even preaching calendar, we've got uh, a lot to get through between now and January 1. But those are two big ones that are coming. And we're going to start the, the judgment series today. And I think you'll enjoy this. Now, I'm just laying a foundation today on judgment. You know, it's, it's funny because we all kind of judge according to where we are, what we're doing, uh, who we're around. We all kind of form these opinions, these judgments, these thoughts on other people. And, and one of those, those ways are, are simply doing this. You know, what do you do for a living? Well, depending on what a person does, sometimes that, that affects how we associate or how we try to interpret who they are. You know, uh, it's unfortunate. We live in a day and time where sometimes the job description or the job that someone holds becomes who they are to us. I, I was kind of glad this week I had a blowout on the backside of Wolf Creek Pass on the right front. I was pulling the trailer and uh, and fortunately the pickup, everything stayed together. My kids were like, Dad, what's going on? And I said, well, I had a blowout and uh, I said, y'all will be okay, I promise. We, I've done this before. So anyway, coasted it to a stop. But the neat thing that happened is, is two gentlemen pulled over to help me. And of the two that pulled over to help me, one was a mechanic. So the lug nuts were way too tight. I was on top of my lug wrench with one hand on it bouncing, and I could not break those things loose. And so he said, oh, it's no problem. You know, I'm, I'm a mechanic. Let me, let me try to tap on that while you jump on it and da-da-da-da. So he started tapping on it. It still wouldn't come loose. The next one to stop and help me, uh, he was a retired truck driver. So he had a wrench like this long. And then when we jumped on that one and tapped it, we got it loose. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's interesting because their occupations, their occupation uh, having a mechanic and then flipping over here to this side and, and having a retired truck driver. Both of them were retired. Both of them knew one another. Both of them were staying in the same campsite. So uh, God just kind of uses that. Now, if I were to interpret who they were, see, I, I, when they, one told me he's a truck driver, I immediately, I guess if you would, judged. I, I thought, wow, a truck driver, he probably does have a tool that's big enough to, you know, uh, uh, break this loose. And then the other one, of course, being a mechanic, I was like, he's got plenty of tools to, to make this happen. That doesn't sound like much, much of a judgment, but sometimes it's more than what you realize. Because sometimes we allow people's careers to be their identity, and that's judgment. Instead of seeing the value of who they, they really are. Now, what was amazing is both of these men were probably early 60s and they were retired. I was like, man, those are pretty good fields to go into. So if you're looking for a early retirement, truck driving or mechanicing. Anyway, let's jump into this with prayer and then we'll go. Father God, I just pray, Lord, that uh, we would see one another for, for who you see them as. Lord, that we'd learn to hold everyone in a valuable way as we lay the foundation Speaking about judgment, we live in a, in a world that's full of judgment today. Republicans, Democrats, uh, liberals, conservatives, um, millennials, and the aged. Lord, uh, help us to see one another for who you created them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So uh, here we go. There's no doubt that there has been a shift in Western Christianity. Even Christians, we as Christians, we jump in there and we begin to, to judge one another. I mean, we've got, we, we talk about Democrats and Republicans. That's just on the political front. But if you look at the religious front, we've done it for years. We've got the Calvin on this side and you've got the Wesleyans on this side or the Arminians. Um, you've got the Lutherans and, and the Wesleyans and you've got all of these these judgments that we do, we separate, we separate, we separate based upon judgment, even in the Christian faith. Man, we got to be careful about that because that's not how, goal, how God's goal intended us to, to live our lives. As a matter of fact, if you remember in John chapter 17, Jesus says something very plainly. This is what he says. He, he says, I pray that they may all be one. And he doesn't say that one time in his prayer for his disciples, but he says it three times Here's the reason, because he knew that we would be making judgments one upon the other, that we would interpret something different, and because of our interpretation, we would put people in categories. Men are the worst, by the way, about putting people in categories. The good thing about women is they keep all the categories open. Men tend to close the door. Have you ever said anything, well, man, I'm not ever going to talk to them again, or I'm just not going to associate with them again, or I'm not going to, and so we tend to shut the door. Women tend to dwell on things like that. So they leave the door open and they're running through four rooms at a time. And we're saying, well, we shut that first room a long time ago. Y'all just need to, you know, when you're talking to your wife. And so, so here's the deal. It's because we make these judgments. A lot of times we do this subconsciously, but we do tend to make judgments. Paul Copen wrote a book and years ago I wrote this statement down. Uh, the name of the book was True for You But Not For Me. And so many people have no doubt they believe that it's okay for me to do this but it's not okay for you to do this. I, I say this often, but if I were to compare myself with you, I would always win because I'm going to judge you, right? Uh, I would say it this way. I'm going to compare my strengths with your weaknesses, so I always come out on top. And that's a judgment. That's a dangerous place to be. So here's the truth. The truth is the more we hurt, the more we judge. The more we hurt, the more we judge. So if you are hurting in yourself, you're probably judging someone else based upon your hurt, based upon your pain. And I believe this is why Jesus came, that we might be restored, that we might be renewed, that we might be made righteous, if you will. Because in doing so, that increases our own self-confidence in who we are and who we are in Christ. And if you know who you are in Christ, then you look for others to be a brother or a sister in Christ along with you. And you're not looking to judge them because you're not hurting, you are sufficient in who you are in Christ. So let me just uh, throw some other statistics out at you. 22.6 million Americans over the age of 12 in one of the most recent surveys, I just looked some surveys up, um, are, uh, have been or are currently addicted to drugs. Now that, that, that number is so big you may not uh, grab a hold of that. It's, it was at the time that this survey was taken about 8.9% of the people. Now, that's a lot. They say by this time it could be up as high as 10 to 12%. $122 billion in lost productivity time and another $15 billion in health insurance costs is spent annually on a drug addiction problem in the United States from the age of 12 and older. Over 6 million children in America live with at least one parent who has a drug addiction. So what does that do for us? That, that, that tends to categorize people. Well, we got the drug addicts over here. And by the way, um, that also includes 
um, the, the drinkers as well. It's just kind of throwing it all into, into one category there. So here's what we know. We know that people are coping with pain, and if that many people are trying to cope with pain through alcohol and drugs, here's a problem. They're also judging. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. It, it, if you work with drug addicts or alcoholics or any of those, what happens over a period of time is they get so used and accustomed to people working, walking on eggshells around them that basically, basically, uh, it becomes a lifestyle. And once they enter into this lifestyle over several years, who's, who is that about? It's simply about them. And I've known several drug addicts and especially alcoholics who have come off the alcohol and it's no longer about them anymore. And they struggle as much with that as they do with the loss of alcohol in their lives. It's, it's a real problem because uh, when an alcoholic father steps in and, and uh, his kids know that he's been drinking and if you grew up with an alcoholic father or you've been around this in your life, what, what do you know? Well, I'm not going to make dad mad today, right? And here's what happens with dad. It's all about dad. And, and, it, and, it, and, and you're raised in that way. And then the older they get, the, the grandkids are the same way. And, and, and here's what happens. Everyone winds up hurting through that. And then everyone begins to categorize. And when you categorize, you're making judgments. Now, if we can get people healthy in Christ, we won't have near as much judgment going on. So we see people coping with pain. Another one is pornography that I see. 68% of young adult men and 18% of women use porn at least once a week. That's because uh, they're believing or they're thinking or they're, they're uh, uh, attempting to reach something that, that uh, is unattainable. 64% of college men and 18% of college women spend time online for internet sex every week. Those are scary statistics. Most people have not acquired the tools necessary to resolve the personal pain in their life, so they're looking for ways. They're, they find themselves in depression. They wish they wouldn't have done the things that they had done by the time they're 25. So I share these statistics simply to paint this picture that people are hurting. And the more people hurt and the more avenues and venues they have in order to pursue instead of Christ, not only do they become people of judgment, but they become people who are judged by our culture and our society. So judgment, I want you to hear me, judgment causes pain in our lives. My big idea today, just simply that, judgment will cause pain in my life. You ever been misjudged? Be a preacher. I'm just telling you, you're going to get misjudged. There's going to be people who, who assume that you meant this big idea and they didn't even get your big idea on Sunday morning and those types of things, right? Misjudgment causes pain because you're like man some way they missed it some way uh I'm, I'm being misjudged it's not fair if you've been married you've been misjudged there have been times your wife thought you were doing something that you weren't right or she thought you you were going to help out in an area that that she didn't make clear i'm not saying that's ever happened to me but it's happened to you okay matthew 7 1 and 2 you know we would go here do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. When we read that, we read that as, as though, because Jesus is saying it, we read it as though God's judgment is going to be upon those who judge. Careful with that. Okay, just stay with me. It's been interpreted to mean that. 
But really, when you study even Luke 6.31, do to others as you would have them do to you, or Luke 6.37, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Guys, a lot of times, that's just simply with other people. Sometimes, if you're a, a judgmental person, guess what? You're probably going to be judged by other people. That measure is going to come back upon you. Now, Luke 6.38, I, I love this because if you look at Luke chapter 6, basically, we use this scripture all the time, give and, it will, give and you will receive, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together. This is the New Living Trans Translation. How do you see that unpacked most of the time in churches? financially most time we're sitting there using that scripture to say hey give and it'll be given to you but it's isn't it interesting it's in the context of judgment it really is so when we give judgment oftentimes we're judged accordingly just by others around us here's the deal jesus is looking for us to understand that everyone is to be held in a valuable way when we start looking at people as creations of god and creations through god that the breath of God resides in them as much as it resides in me. Now, whether or not they've said yes to that, that's a different story, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But here it is. Life is like a garden. I tagged this on last week's message because last week's Sunday's message, you heard me talk about seeds and that we, we plant these seeds, right? And we expect to what? A return. You want to you harvest. And there's a gap in between the time you plant in the time that you harvest. Uh, that's, that's how life is. And it's the same thing with judgment. If you pour out judgment, if you plant seeds of judgment, get, get ready because you're probably going to have a harvest of judgment at some point in time in your life. That's just kind of how it works. What you put out there is oftentimes what you receive. Jim Richards said it this way, life is a garden that grows the seeds I plant. That's a summary of that right there. Life is a garden that grows the seeds I plant. Our garden grows with the seeds that we plant. One seed, when planted, produces a harvest larger than itself. And it's the principle of sowing and reaping. It's exactly what I talked about last week. So here's the deal. What's growing in your garden? Think about that for just a minute. What's growing in your garden? Is it criticalness? Is it envy? Is it kindness? Is it mercy? See, when we wrongly assume that we had nothing to do with how others treated us, when the truth is they usually gave back to us a harvest of how possibly we treated them. The quality of our emotional life is found in the quality of our relationships, relationship with Jesus and relationship with his people. We are social, we're emotional, we're relationship-oriented people. We thrive on meaningful relationships. Our judgments influence those relationships more than any other factor. But few people even know what it means to judge. Here a while back, I was sitting with a man who, uh, who just recently had a tragedy in his family. And he said something. He said, you know, I was sitting in the parking lot. I didn't want to go into the store. So I was just sitting out there. I'd been out in my truck for like 15, 20 minutes. And he said, I saw a homeless person. And she made eye contact with me walking across the parking lot. And he's like, oh, no, she's coming right for me, you know. And he, he said, I kind of rolled my window down, and, uh, and it was obvious we, were, we made eye contact, and she needed help. And he said, she came by, and I, he said, 99% of the time before the accident happened in our family, I would have just said, uh, I would have rolled my window up and just left it up. 
and made her walk on by. But he said, you know, after the tragedy happened in his family, he said, I, I just, I started feeling compassion for her, so I rolled my window down, and she came up, and of course she asked for help, and he said, I gave her all the cash I had, and she went on. And he said, after she left, I thought of, I thought of her, and, and I thought, you know, what happened in her life? What, what was ripped out of her life that put her on the streets like she was? She had something ripped out of her life. You see, he began to see her through a different lens. A lot of times we look at people like that and what do we say? Well, um, geez, if they would get out and get a what? A job. If they would find identity where? In their job. Instead of saying, hey, you know, they're a creation of Christ. If they could find their identity in Christ, Christ will lead them into the calling of their life. But we oftentimes make judgments until something happens to us. Until we realize, hey, life is really fragile jesus didn't come and say that everything was going to be uh rosy that we're going to have rose colored glasses. you might have rose colored glasses on but uh sometimes those glasses fall off and you see reality right so our judgments influence those relationships more than any other factor but few people even know what it means to judge so what does it mean to judge here's the definition of judgment identifying what someone did is not judgment it's merely an observation. So if I identify what someone did, if somebody called me a bad word, if somebody shot me the finger on I-27 because I was driving too slow, that's rare, but it's happened, right? I'm just merely making an observation. Ooh, I don't think that's a good gesture, right? But when we assume to know why a person did what he did, then we've entered into judgment. So when we assume, so I just said, I, I put a prefix because I was driving too slow. That might have not have been the problem at all. It might have been because, uh, who knows? Uh, it, it could have been because of the fancy car I drive, you know. Something about a Toyota Camry. Just people don't like it. I don't know, but when you assume to know why a person did what he or she did, then we have entered into to judgment. Only God has the right to judge. Now, this is a huge statement. Only God has the right to judge. Now, now listen, we can make observations and we can speak into those observations. I know what Matthew chapter 7 says. It's interesting to me because when I was in youth ministry years ago, uh, back in the late 90s, it was uh, uh, Matthew 7 had become the most quoted verse over John 3.16 within the last two or three years in the late 90s. Why do you think that's the case? Do not judge lest you be judged. Because people didn't want to be held accountable. So the new culture, the new, new uh, people growing up, right, it, it would have been my generation and just a little bit younger than me were saying, hey, uh, instead of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, what did they start saying? Hey, don't judge me. <laughs> if you judge me, God's going to judge you. Well, that's not really what the scripture says. It means that Jesus is trying to protect us here. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, if you go back to the day of Jesus and you look at who where the majority of the judgment was coming upon the Jews, it wasn't from God. It was from who? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the religious scribes. All the professionals were casting judgment, and here's why, so that they could get the people to repent. And if they could get the people to repent, then they would pay a penance. So they would actually come up and pay for prayers in order to receive forgiveness. It was good financially for the religious scribes to convince the people that they were lowly sinners 
and that they were falling under God's judgment. And so Jesus came to set who free? The captives. Hey, we got to break this religious thing, right? Because this religious thing is just judging, 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 judging. Now, it's okay to observe. My goodness, if a brother turns another brother from sin, what does he do? He wins his brother and he finds favor is what the scripture says. And so, of course, we're supposed to be involved. Of course, we're supposed to recognize. But we don't try to, to determine what the motive is. When you think you know the motive of why an alcoholic became an alcoholic, you don't know. They may have, they may have been more predispositioned. Uh, I don't necessarily believe in, um, have to be, be careful here. I, I'm not, I'm a biology major. I never really bought into the evolutionary uh, process at all. Uh, I do believe in the law of adaptation for sure. If it gets cold outside, I've adapted to wear a coat, all right? But at the same time, I do think people are more predispositioned. My wife gets colder a lot quicker than I do. <laughs> That's just the way it works in our house. And so, so there, there are people that are more predispositioned, if you will, uh, for homosexual, homosexuality, maybe a little more feminine, didn't, didn't really know where they fit in the culture, uh, felt like that uh, they were a beta male instead of an alpha male, something, something of, of that nature. Now, in that, that doesn't give them an excuse to live the lifestyle we all have temptations. My goodness, I'm a heterosexual, right? And, and, and uh, there's temptation for heterosexual sexuals as, as well. We can't just jump into any car with any woman at any time. Man, that doesn't work. Don't do that, all right? But, but, but here's the thing. So, so, but, but to assume why someone does what they've done, when we make that, that when we go beyond the observation and we think that we know, then we have to be careful because we're entering into a state of judgment. Only God knows the heart. Only God knows what someone else has been through in their life. God is the only one who can, who can truly pull them out, but he will choose to use us if we can love these people outside of judgment. And when I say these people, it can be any person in your life. Passing judgment causes us to react to situations inappropriately. The combination of our judgments and unacceptable behavior then begins the judgment we have sowed into their lives. Simply giving up the right to judge would break the cycle of pain and torment, and it might salvage a relationship where we can witness the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, that's a long sentence. In other words, this is what I'm saying. Men, when we have an opportunity to observe and we see and we sit down and we genuinely love them, for where they are today. That's it. We can't, we can't look back on their yesterdays. Now, if they want to pour all that stuff out to us, that's fine. <clears throat> but when they know that they're held in a valuable way, not because of what they've done, but because of who they are, because they are a creation of God, this is where judgment will be broken. And this is called mercy. And God is full of mercy and what? Grace. And one sets upon the throne of, of the other. You can go to Romans and, and read about this. But mercy and grace begin to, to break in because our God is a God of mercy. As a matter of fact, David chose God's mercy over his judgment. So it's very important for us to, to recognize this is where Jesus is taking us. When he says, do not judge lest you be judged, he's saying, hey, you don't, we need to be broken free. You guys have been judged and now you've been taught to be critical towards one another. And because you're critical towards one another, you live in an environment that's toxic. 
And by the way, guys, let me just tell you where our culture is today. You are taught from, from early on to become a critical thinker. That, that should be a good thing. But by the time we enter into college, then you have university professors that have been critical thinkers all of their lives. And they get promoted based upon how critical they can be within their field. And because of that, guess what? It becomes very judgmental. I mean, I would hate to take a poli-sci class today in college. I'm just telling you. They are very biased. Uh, I've got a niece that uh, a couple of years ago was, was uh, taking a course in, um, oh, in media and news and that type of thing. And uh, her professor said, you cannot watch or quote Fox News at all. It is not a viable source. Now, that's interesting. I don't know how you feel about that, but I bet you would tell me as soon as we're done, right? Where the Bible sources are, but this is coming from the university right down the street. So here's the truth. I mean, you're taught to be a critical thinker and coming from, from critical, that means that we, we learn to be critical and then we start not just observing, we start creating if we don't see motives. Assuming, you know, assuming is dangerous for you and me. It really is. So how do we apply this? Let's move through this quickly. First, notice that judgment is a problem. It seems impossible for the majority of our pain to be, to be the product of judgment rather than events. But this is what I'm going to say. There is tragedy. There's loss of relationships. There's bad parenting. There's childhood trauma. Look, if the events of our lives were the source of torment, then we would have no influence over the future. So here's what I'm saying, that for you, you've got to be set free from judgment first. You've got to realize that in Christ, we are judged according to Him, not according to us or how we grew up. The reason I share that is so that you know that there is hope, not just for you, but also for those around you. There is hope, there's a release for you. <clears throat> Jesus in Luke chapter 17, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. What Jesus is saying here is, hey, offenses will come. That word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon. Scandalon is a bait. That's what you go out and, and you bait a hook with, right? It's a scandalon. So you, you, you drop that over the side shark bait and the sharks eventually smell the blood and what do they do they come and take the scandal on and they get hooked it's kind of uh our our transition team right now I, I ordered books called the bait of satan and it really explains john bevere really explains um what scandal on is it's a bait and sometimes that's exactly where judgment comes from it's a bait the the hook's been baited you're sitting here looking at somebody you're making an observation and then you try to figure out the motives of why they are who they are or how they became who they are. And then you're starting to enter into judgment. Now look, what you'll find out are the most judgmental people are usually the messed up, most messed up. This is, this is interesting to me because here's what I've learned is that um, alcoholics that have been set free are most judgmental on who? Other alcoholics. Christians, you can say it this way, Christians who have been set free oftentimes from the worst, the most devouring sins out there, uh, oftentimes become the most critical of those who are still participating in it. Here's why. Because they hate that sin so much. 
Yes, it's natural. But what happens is, is oftentimes there's a human tied to that sin. I can say it this way. Every time there is. And so for us to truly be set free is for us to have mercy and compassion on those who are struggling with something that we once struggled with. Uh, great example. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, he takes it a little bit further, men. He says, do not judge lest you be judged. And then he says, for in the same way you judge, you too will be judged. But then he says, why do you notice what? The speck in someone else's eye when there is a log in your own. So when you've been delivered from this, from this log and you're recognizing the speck instead of the person. Because that speck can become a log very quickly once again in your life. Not meaning that you'll return back to that sin. What it means is that you'll hate that sin so much that you'll wind up judging the person who's participating in that sin. Because you know how devouring that sin can be in your life. I, I mean, you know, I, I hate it. And I use alcohol, and the only reason I use alcohol is because it's something we all understand, we've all been impacted, we've all been affected by it in some way, form, or fashion. I'm not after anybody here by, I'm not making any judgments, I just use it because I think it's a great illustration of how this works, because I do see delivered alcoholics who turn around and they hate that sin so much that they really get frustrated with family members who are still participating in it, because it took so much away from their own life. Didn't you learn from me, you know? And, and so because of that, if we're not careful, we'll turn to making some type of judgment. So Jesus says that these offenses are going to come. You're going to be offended, but woe unto him through whom they come. So he's saying, hey, if you're bringing in an offense, you're dangerous because you're bringing in the bait of Satan, whatever that offense may be. And oftentimes it comes in the form of judgment. Jesus said trouble will come. It'll come to everyone, not just the people who deserve it. Trouble comes to all of us. And, and, and that's just life. With that in mind, don't try to figure out why trouble comes because that puts you right back into a judgmental situation. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm as much of a realist as, well, hopefully not. I'm, I'm hopefully more spiritual than I am in reality. And yet at the same time, I know that, that, that very difficult things, people live difficult lives, that challenges come. Um, geez, I, I just had a friend of mine that he's been on my board for, for months upon months, for years, I've been praying for him, and then, boom, uh, goes into cardiac arrest the other day. And, and I think, golly, Lord, man, I, I just don't understand. We have to be careful, because ultimately, in that, we can wind up judging God. Jesus never said that becoming his disciple will protect us from a circumstance. However, he did teach us that if we are his disciples, we can build our lives on his teaching and live above the control and devastation of circumstances. Have you ever known an elderly person that's been set free? If you haven't, you need to find one in your life. Because you go and visit them and they're happy and they're just rejoicing and they just love everyone. My grandmother just loved everyone. It was so funny. Um, this, uh, my nephew, he got engaged. And I don't say this racially. I was just playing a prank on my grandmother. But my nephew got engaged and, and she had not met the spouse of my nephew or the, the fiance of my nephew. And so uh, I'd come in from the army and I was a little bit ornery at that day and time. And she was so excited for Aaron. She was just, oh, you know, he's getting married. Or actually, I guess I, I was already in from the army. I guess I had, uh, I can't remember. Anyway, I was visiting her house and she was going on and on and on. I said, yeah. I said, and isn't it something that she's black? And she's not. And my grandmother stopped. And she goes, oh, that's so good. You know, um, color is so good. 
and we're going to love her, Curtis, and we're going to embrace her. And she, and I was trying to play a joke on her. I, I mean, she's not racial or anything, but she just, that's how, she, it didn't even throw her backwards. But it was funny because when my nephew Aaron came in, uh, grandmother had to mention, she said, you know, Aaron, I want to tell you something. I think it's wonderful that she's black. And he's like, what? She's not black. Anyway, Right. She just, if you've met those elderly people who have lived such pure and holy lives, they really have no judgment. They accept and they, they pray and they want everyone to know their Jesus. Now, now, how we respond is key. Second thing here is how we respond is key because you have to begin to recognize that, that we can become offended very easy. And when we're offended, we immediately jump over into judgment. We start trying to identify their motives. You know what I found with most people in my life? When they judge me based upon what I've said from the pulpit or how I've acted or, uh, God, the pastor got angry. I didn't know the pastor could get angry. Uh, he's, not, he's supposed to be the pastor or whatever it may be. What I found is, is if I won't jump over to judging them, and even though they may be judging me, uh, if I'll just pay attention to my response. A kind word, the scripture says, turns back wrath even if you are falsely accused a kind word turns back wrath luke chapter 7 verse 17 3 pay attention to yourselves if your brother sins rebuke him you know i i I found that when i sit down and say hey you know i think you misinterpreted what i said or if i say this you know what you're right i never saw that in myself before man they don't know how to answer that you mean i'm right you're the pastor no, I, I think you're probably right on this one. I was probably wrong. When you're honest, then it brings an honest place to work in, an honest place of conversation. Jesus is looking for us to have honest conversations one with another, and we can't do that if we're always judging the other one. People generally don't do things because of who you are. They do them because of who they are. And if you can remember that, a lot of times hurt people hurt people. And so they're not doing it because of who you are. They're doing it because of who they are. And our job is to do what? To go out and make disciples. And if we go out and make disciples, we don't make disciples by judging people. We make disciples by teaching them the ways of Jesus and to follow him. Oftentimes in our haste to judge, we assume they do what they do because of us. Look, you're not in that much control. Just give it up. Guys, y'all aren't men of that much influence. It, it, it really probably deals more with them than it does with you. And then, know this, a rebuke, not judgment, can bring healing. A rebuke. Now, there's a difference between a rebuke and judgment. A rebuke is going to, the word rebuke, it actually comes from two Greek words. It means this, uh, upon Part of the word means upon, the other means to fix a value or honor upon. So this is what, in in putting the word rebuke together, it means that I'm going to fix a value or honor them in some way. That's where the Greek word rebuke comes from. So it means that if we rebuke someone, we're going to do it how? We're going to do it in a way of honor. We're not going to do it through judgment. We're going to do it in honor. See, to say, I know why you did this is not a rebuke. That's a judgment. A rebuke sounds like this. This is what you did, and this is the effect or the value that it had on me. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. 
Uh, we can't attach significance to it. But what we can do, you know, when you rebuke somebody, uh, my, uh, I, I think back when uh, uh, my mother even, if we called names in the house, if I called my sister a name, then my mother would correct me because she would say, that's not who they are. She didn't want anything to stick, right? And so, so you can say, hey, this hurt me in this way. What you said hurt me in this way. And that brings an awareness to them. But to call them more than that or try to attach something more to them through their actions or their effects of their actions, it's just not right. In Luke 17, verse 3, it says, And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Jesus is saying, hey, live in a world of forgiveness because that's who Christ is. So our goal should be to bring the offender to a place of repentance and not get ourselves caught in a trap because here's what happens. If you get in the trap of, of judgment, here's where you'll be. You will have started something. This person's going to have more influence in your life than they ever should have. I, I had a situation about three or four years ago. I called uh, a friend of mine and I just asked him. I said, hey, what do I do about this situation? I've gone by there two or three times and this is what I've said and da 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 And he said, well, don't go by there anymore. And I said, why? He said, because you're spending way too much time thinking about that person. Pray for them and go on. See, when we enter a, a world of judgment, then what happens is oftentimes we fixate on that person. We fixate on their world instead of living life as Christ called us to live, and that's to be free, free from judgment. So bring them to repentance, move on. Uh, the goal cannot be punishment. Let's just be honest. Most of the time, we want the offender to be what? Punished. If somebody hurt me, I want to hurt them back. That's just kind of the way it is. I was thinking the other day, you know, what am I going to do when my daughters start dating? I mean, this, this stuff haunts me. Don't read my journal, right? Because I'm like, if, they, if any boy messes with my daughters, I, I'm going to hurt them, right? There's judgment coming. There's, it's kind of like the, the movie Tombstone. If you ever saw Tombstone, he said, tell them, uh, how does he say, tell them I'm coming and, and tell them hell's coming with me. You know, another way, there's, there's coming judgment, right? There's going to be a reckoning. Well, uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and we've got to remember, remember that. We don't have to take it that far. Don't let people have that much control in your life. Live your life for Christ. Know who you are in Christ, because as you know who you are in Christ, you'll be less, less likely to judge others. And you'll get on with your life, and life will, will be free for you. And next week, I want to encourage you, because next week we're going to have a lot of fun with this. I was just trying to lay a foundation for you today remember god is the only one really that has the right to judge because he knows the thoughts of men he knows what men have walked through in life to get and become who they are today let's pray father god i thank you lord for uh each one in this room as we go over these questions father help us to determine in our own lives that lord um matthew 18 <clears throat> help us to live by that principle that if we see a brother sin someone offend uh, lord let us go in genuineness of heart and sit with them if they listen we've won our brother if they don't then lord let us take two or three witnesses and sit with them again and say we care for you the road you're going down is a dangerous road 
But let us not do that out of judgment. But Father, out of awareness and out of holding everyone in a valuable way. Lord, help us not to determine motives. But Father, be here to reconcile the world in you. In Jesus' name, amen.